Rachel here, and you're listening to Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther. We're going to hear stories of success and failure as people share how they've exponentially grown their business through building a team. My goal? Help you achieve success you've only dreamed about through the power of outsourcing. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther. I am sitting here with Ricky Chilcott. He is the co-founder of Mission Met, and they are a strategic planning company that serves customers all over the world. I'm really excited to talk to him because a lot of that tech and that strategic planning that goes into that transfers over to procedures and processes, which is very, very critical to outsourcing and delegating and having a successful delegating relationship with your team. So Ricky, thank you so much for joining me today. I would love to hear more about how you sort of came into the tech background that you have and how you became a software developer. And I know you mentioned when we talked earlier that that has taught you a lot about learning how to communicate effectively. And we all know, and from the episodes that I've done from experience in business, communication is key in any relationship. So I would love to just kind of hear what your journey has been to get you where you are and get you to the strategic planner pro that you are today. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me as a guest, uh, Rachel. Um, I've enjoyed listening to, I think I've listened to the entire backlog of, of podcasts. One of the things, oh, I'm well. definitely a, com- <laughs> a, a completionist. So when I start something and I and I really enjoy it, then I just start back from the beginning and listen through. So awesome. listen to season one, and um, uh, I'm really excited to be part of this season as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I... Uh, grew up originally in Northeast Ohio and, mm-hmm. and came to Ohio University in Southeast Ohio and have made that my home. Um, I, uh, As far as software development, my undergrad was in audio production, media production, media management, minors okay. in, in music and business. So um, that seems like a, a weird place to, to be if you're going to end up doing software development. But I kind of arrived at that because um, I really fell in love with computers in sort of fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Um, kind of started teaching myself software development then and okay. kind of kept that as sort of like a hobby and, and something that I would do for fun. Um, and I've always wanted to be a business owner. And so kind of between my love of music and my love of, of programming, I ended up um, kind of studying media production. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, I, you know, I continued to do that as a hobby. I ended up after graduating, I, I worked at, at the university, at Ohio University, um, for about seven or eight years, um, rose up and in kind of into to management um, uh, for IT support and overseeing our audio and video studios and computer labs and things like that. And, and that's where mm-hmm. I started to um, take both my tech skills and sort of IT and programming, kind of scripting and sort of, honestly, I'm kind of, I can be a lazy person. So <laughs> I tend to write software or things that sort of make my life easier. So I don't have to do these tedious things. Um, I so can I sort relate of, to that in that yeah. I started outsourcing and sometimes I'm like, it's really, I'm just lazy, which I'm not. <laughs> I'm busy in work all the time. It seems yeah. like working on something, but it makes my life easier to delegate things and to have other people help out with things. So I can relate to that internal feeling for sure. Yeah. So in that, in that particular um, role, as I started to have a a few people and students work for me, Mm -hmm. I started to learn the importance of, you know, defining process, developing process and, um, 
and, and just trying to, you know, codify things because, you know, when you've been a working professional for even just a few years, there's just so many things that you do innately. But then when you're trying to bring a new person onto your team or you're trying to sort of shift the culture, if you don't have it written down, you don't have it sort of kind of in a step-by-step way, um, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, things tend to go off the rails. Um, so <laughs> that's where I started to like, you know, learn a little bit about process and kind of, um, you know, build some of those skills. Um, I ended up leaving the university, working for myself, doing software development, kind of freelance mm-hmm. software development. But I met one of my, uh, you know, my now business partner in Mission Met um, in doing that work. So he originally hired me to develop the strategic planning software for his clients. And, and just a few yeah. years ago, um, we decided to partner in Mission Met, and now we get to help um, nonprofits and um, kind of uh, public-private partnerships and um, NGOs and some government agencies, um, you know, do strategic planning better, more effectively, et cetera. And, and we take a very process-oriented approach to that strategic planning process, but we okay. also try to, um, you know, integrate software and technology to make that whole process, which is historically a very painful and very manual um, <laughs> kind of process, and and elevate it by using technology um, and it, it also makes it easier. So that's a little bit of my background and kind of how I, I got to this place. Yes. And technology is a very important aspect of developing a process. It does make your life easier rather than doing the manual entry things and consistently keeping an eye out for that and how you can automate something or implement technology to make your life easier is key, I think, to to outsourcing. It's another element of it rather than just a team. You can also use technology for that. And as you're thinking about starting processes. And when you start with one of your clients or just start with a process, are there things that you think about first that you, I know we need to tackle this, or you certain questions that you ask yourself or your client in order to get yourself in the right direction? Yeah. So, I mean, we've been on kind of this journey over the past two years in, in thinking in a process-oriented way for all parts of our business, you know, and that starts in the, in the sales conversation. You know, what is our sales process? Mm-hmm. What are we sharing with customers? you know, uh, you know, utilizing a CRM to kind of capture key information uh, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, um, even the proposal writing process, we've been, you know, um, developing sort of a, a checklist of, you know, what would our, you know, sales team sort of ask that customer and then what mm-hmm. can we um use to or you know, what what can we then sort of codify to make that even proposal writing process really streamlined um, so that we're spending maybe hours where it used to take um, maybe days of, of working mm-hmm. on things and pulling mm-hmm. things together and everything being, you know, very customized for each um, customer. But then once they end up working with us, yeah, we have a, an onboarding process. Um, we re- okay. recently started working with um, uh, Check Off Your List, and mm-hmm. um, that's mm-hmm. been really, um, you know, that uh, Courtney, who is our um virtual assistant, we call her our office ops person. Um, (laughs) uh, And, you know, she is sort of the, on the delivery side is sort of that initial point of contact in welcoming them, welcoming them via email, you know, writing them a handwritten note just to say, thank you for working with us, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, ordering books or giving them access to our software um, and making sure they get um, sort of a, a, a request for, various strategic documents. So that might be past strategic plans or, um, 
you know, governance documents or, or various things that mm. nonprofits have um, to sort of inform our process. But our entire strategic planning process is something that we call CAPE, and it has four different stages. And at each okay. of those, um, at each of those steps in our strategic planning process, there's a number of checklists and things like that to make that process run smoothly. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we've found is that operating in a very process-oriented way at, at first see, feels a little constraining, right? And feels a little like, oh, well, geez, I'm not going to be able to be creative in that situation. But what we've really found is that it allows you to focus on things that are more interesting and, mm-hmm. you know, takes away sort of the, the tedious details and allows our consultants and allows us to really focus on the more strategic work and be great coaches and be, you know, great advisors to these organizations because we don't have to worry about making sure that all these little pieces and parts are done. We've, we've thought through them once it was hard, you know, we, we documented them, but, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what we've learned. Yeah. And it sounds like you mentioned you documented them. And so I'm curious, you know, there are a lot of moving parts. You mentioned several things in Mm. talking about what you do with Courtney and uh, just your contractors and the various things. There are so many different steps and there's so many different actions to take. How did you document those or what is what have you found to be the best way to define those processes so that you can then put your energies elsewhere? You can get creative and think other places so that you don't have to spend your mental energy on the processes anymore. Yeah, so we're we're doing a few things, and I'm not sure I'm 100 percent happy with with where we are, but uh, I think we're you know making progress, and it is very much it's an always evolving. And, yeah, I feel like processes absolutely. are always evolving, or you're stuck yeah. somewhere. It's yeah. like you're just so, stuck in a period of time of what worked then. So I I understand yeah. exactly what yeah. you mean. Yeah. So we um, but we heavily use Asana as a project management tool, yeah, okay. and so um, so for our onboarding process for for all these um. You know, we sort of have a Google Doc that sort of lays out various steps. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that's like where the kind of the meat of sort of our, our templates and our, you know, various steps um, get, you know, documented. And, and Courtney has a link to each of those steps, you know, in that Google Doc. But then mm-hmm. we sort of reflect where a particular customer is in Asana uh, in our project management tool. Sure. And so we very much think about it as you know, a customer moving through various stages and we have a number of subtasks and, you know, different people assigned with, um, you know, let's make sure that when we welcome the customer, you know, within one week, they should be, you know, they should have the books in their hand, they should have access to the software, they should have that handwritten letter. Um, so, so yeah, so we're document in a Google Doc and then, um, you know, for the detailed information, but then mm-hmm. sort of knowing where a particular customer or contract is at is sort of documented in our in, in Asana. That's a very key part to not dropping any balls when yes. in some sort of a project where you, you, you know where they are and you know when something's supposed to be done by as well. I love that you mentioned like timelines. It needs to be done by this many days or at this time, and that keeps it moving. Which a lot of times in in a team environment, sometimes things can get lost or slow down because everybody thought someone else was in charge of something or they didn't know it was their turn yet. So I think that's a great thing to make sure that you think through and establish, at least in my experience, to know where someone is through going through that project or where the status of that project is and knowing who's responsible next and when it's supposed to be done so that it can keep moving. And so that's, yeah, that seems... Absolutely. And... Yeah, and one of our company values is um, this phrase, uh, working in public. And so I have this like longer term vision that we would Mm -hmm. work in public 
uh, in the sense of we'd be sharing, uh, and you know, th- this podcast is maybe one example of you know trying to move in that direction. But yeah. um, you know, awesome. sharing yeah. our learnings and, and sharing um, what's working well and what's not working well in our business, you know, publicly mm-hmm. with the world. Um, but how we're kind of interpreting that work in public public value as a team right now is just sort of work in public to the team, right? So, you know, okay. you know, the like in, the interns that we have or, you know, the the various staff members that we have, you know, if you're working on something, it needs to be in Asana and it needs to be in a in a project that other people could see it. And and that helps kind of communicate your availability. It kind of communicates mm-hmm. to me, maybe as your manager, um, how busy or how stressed you are or how behind you are on things. And sort of maybe that's going to allow me to give you a little more grace and not assign you a new thing. Um, So, um, so that, that visibility, you know, like it's not only helpful to know when something needs to be done by, by when, but it's also communicating back to the team, you know, Mm -hmm. where you are in various things and, and maybe you're drowning and you need some support and some help. And so if, you know, by working in public, um, we can more easily kind of support our, our people. Yeah. And that helps the people who aren't quite as willing to say, I need help. They tend to keep to themselves and I can do it. I can stay up late. I'll get this done rather than waving the white flag and saying, oh, wait, there's too much. This this project grew or we've added more. So working in public allows the team to have a good gauge on where everyone is on their workload. And as a manager, I'm sure that's very helpful. Uh, One thing I'm curious about is as you build processes, how do you know that they're clear or that they are going to be successful? Do you have any tips on knowing or understanding how the best way is to know? It's like, okay, we've we've documented this and this is good to go. Yeah. Um, I think what I'm learning is that they're, they're never as ready as you think they are. So, you know, um, <laughs> I, I have a friend who was in, um, in the Air Force. He uh, was a career uh, military person. Mm-hmm. And he said, no plan ever survives contact with the enemy. And, oh, you know, what yeah, I'm yeah, learning yeah. around, you know, documenting process and, you know, um, you know, kind of putting them into tests, they're not really done until you've gone through them a few times with each other. So I, I think yeah. even in your, your first podcast or, you know, your first um, season, you covered, you know, some of your own process. And it, I think mm-hmm. it is often good if the owner, business owner, or, you know, leadership person is, has historically done this particular work, it's best for them to do their best to themselves document, you know, what are all the steps Mm -hmm. that I do Mm -hmm. before handing it over. Um, But if you think that you can just, you know, you have 10 years of experience, 20 years of experience, 30 years of experience, and that you can Mm -hmm. just write down your steps with enough detail, um, or with just enough clarity of what those terms mean and then hand it off and then you never need to um, check in on that again, mm-hmm. you're going to be um, in for a, a bad surprise. So um, yeah. I think what what I'm learning is, you know, um, you know, expect, expect that sort of um, kind of back and forth cycle as you start to deploy a process and try it out. Um, yeah. And the other thing too is, and it's not really a failure of of yours as the sort of documenter of that process. It's mm-hmm. that you have all these these things that um, are sort of you intuit and you you know, 
you know, you just don't think to even write it down. Um, the, sure, the other thing sure. too, and I, I think we're starting to starting to see this as we work with Courtney and and Alyssa, um, that sometimes we overcomplicate things, right? Like that there might mm-hmm. be a way that we've always done it, which is the worst reason to keep doing something. The, <laughs> I agree. The, yeah, <laughs> um, but we've always done it this way, and you know, outsiders, somebody who aren't aren't as you know familiar, can just ask the question. Like, it seems like we're going through a lot of steps here. Is there a way that we can consolidate that? That that yeah. actually happened in a most recent meeting. We um, were kind of thinking about sort of our entire customer journey from onboarding to yeah. sort of not necessarily like towards the end of the engagement and how do we maybe sure. make that existing customer, um, you know, an advocate for us with other, mm-hmm. other people and how do we ask them for feedback and that sort of thing. And, you know, our original plan was, well, let's have an email for feedback. Let's have an email for asking for follow-up services. Let's ask, have an email mm-hmm. for something else. And um, Alyssa and Courtney both were like, is there a way that we can kind of merge these all together? And maybe it's, maybe it's not even email, maybe it's an email to like have a conversation. And maybe those kinds of, you know, those activities are best done in a conversation as opposed to email, because it's an easy thing just to sort of highlight. So yeah, you, know, yeah. you can I, delete an email real easy. And yeah, oh, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to yeah. And then it's so further down the road that you just end up ignoring it. Yeah. So yeah. I get I get how that different perspective or new set of eyes. Sometimes I feel like w- when someone else comes in, they can just state the obvious that I'm completely overlooking. Where yes. th- my team will say things, I'm like, why did I not think of that? <laughs> how how have I been doing it this way? And like you said, doing something because we've always done it that way is one of the worst things in my mind. Uh, you've proven it works maybe, but there very well might be a better option. So being yeah. willing to change, I think is key, which goes back to what you said about how you never feel like a process is done sometimes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're always evolving new technologies coming out or different things happen and you have new insight. And so I think that makes sense. And you mentioned before, like what's obvious to you may not be so obvious because you mentioned like, you know, you may have 10, 20, 30 years of experience and they don't have that background in what you're talking about, which I think mm-hmm. also lends to finding the right people on your team to take over certain roles. And something that I've done, because I started my company when I was very young, so I didn't have a lot of experience. I think I was 20, well, yeah, like 25. And so I I had not been down the road very long. And so I would hire, hire people who had done it before. And that's an interesting way to do it. But I definitely had to make sure that I was in the weeds enough to know what I actually wanted. And I think you were alluding to that in ways. It's like the owner needs to be sure of what's going on and be involved in developing those processes because they need to know what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely talked to certain people who have launched something and they didn't do that. They hired someone and then they got exactly what they asked for, but it wasn't what they actually needed because they hadn't tested it. They hadn't realized, oh, these parameters are now a variable that is going to affect the outcome. And so working through and testing and being involved and familiar in those is very key. And going from your experience, mixing that with someone else's experience is the best of both worlds when you're working with with a team to where they can contribute from their 10 years of experience and say, hey, this phone call might be a better option than an email. And yeah. it's just the obvious to them. And the other things are obvious to you and everybody is benefiting from each other. Uh, so as you're building processes along that line, is there a point where like, 
you would say, oh, it's too soon to send something off as a process and say it's time to delegate it, or is there such a thing as too long to wait and like you're holding on to it too long? Is there a perfect time uh, to get enough information? Because I know kind of where I found my sweet spot of when I am taking a task of mine and passing it off to someone else. Because I do that frequently. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. Someone else can handle this and I'm going to pass it off. So I kind of know like what I go through, but I'm curious when you hit that point in your business or in your to-do list and say, oh, someone else needs to handle this now. How do you go about that? Yeah, I think, um, well, one is sort of identifying when it's ready to um, hand it off is, you know, anytime you, so, I mean, I, I think you can sort of like think about like, what are things that you're just not good at if you're not a very detail-oriented sure. person, mm-hmm. but you have to do these detail-oriented things, then, you know, probably the sooner you can get those those off your plate, um, the better so that you can kind of focus on what you're you're better at. I know for me, anytime I sort of, you know, do you ever like go to start a task, like you you feel like you have to own it. And so you go to start it, but you're just like really dreading it. Either you're procrastinating, you're just like oh, yeah. just that kind of pit in your stomach of like, I really don't want to do that. That's mm-hmm. normally a signal to me like, okay, hopefully this is maybe not the last time ever in my life that I'll have to do this, but maybe I can use this time and, you know, this feeling to kind of motivate me to like, I'll spend an extra 20% of how long it would have taken me to, I'm just going to document as I go through mm-hmm. it um, mm-hmm. and then work towards, towards um, handing that off. So I think that's something that I'm, that I'm also learning there. If you, you know, sort of dread doing that sort of thing. So, that you know, like very an, familiar an, to how I go about it as well. Yeah. <laughs> there are these things, they just live on my to-do list too long. Cause I keep putting them off. And then when I sit down to do them, it's really not that awful, but I just don't enjoy it. And mm-hmm. it's not even that time consuming, but it's just not what I get to. And so I eventually will get fed up enough that I will take the extra time, just like you said, take the extra 20%, document it, and then send that off to whoever. And then I love the feeling afterwards. (laughs) Like, And now someone else is going to take care of it. And it's great. (laughs) Yes. But so when you do that, is there anything in particular that you make sure you include in those instructions or as you build that process? Are there things that you found that, oh, these are necessary or certain things that just make a a process more successful? Yeah, I think something that's really often overlooked um, as you're documenting a process is, um, and I kind of steal this from my business partner in our strategic planning work, is sort of like start with the vision and like the context, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you're just starting a building process, it's like, it's just a checklist of like, here's the name of this process, And here's the 12 steps that you have to do in order to do it. But Mm -hmm. the person who's reading that doesn't have any context for what's important about this. You know, why are we even doing this thing, uh, et cetera. So if you can take a few sentences or a paragraph or two to sort of just lay out, you know, the spirit of, you know, why this is important for the business, um, what this is going to help us accomplish. And, and, and and think about it from, from their perspective is, you know, People want to do work that is meaningful and, and helpful. So not just be, uh, you know, it, uh, and not just be like sort of a computer and running code mm-hmm. and, and just mm-hmm. doing doing these things. So I think that's one thing that um, we will, you know, st- kind of start, you know, those documents with a little bit of context and background and what's important there. That's and really then, important just to get the team member on board with that task. It yeah. gives them a purpose. Mm, it gives them a purpose and a passion for what they're going to be doing. It might be a tedious thing, but it's working to a greater good. It's working to a bigger impact in 
mission met or for one of your clients for a reason. And that taking a few minutes to document that purpose and why it's important, it gives them the ability to be a part of something that's bigger than just yeah. doing this one little random task that needs done. So yeah. I, I like that you start there. That's a yeah. That's a good thing that I need to implement more, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what we've done too is just make it really clear about you know, who's responsible for various, you know, oh, yeah. pieces of that. And, mm -hmm. and so in some of our customer onboarding things, ultimately, you know, Courtney owns that entire onboarding process. Sure. Um, but, you know, she might not be doing all of it. So just making it really clear mm -hmm. about like, it might be your responsibility to assign that to somebody. And it might be your responsibility to follow up with them every week or two weeks if they haven't done it. Mm -hmm. Um so just being really clear about who's who's ultimately sort of in a project management sense, who's who, you know, where does the buck stop with, you know, who's yeah. sort of uh, accountable for trying to make sure those things happen. And then like any sort of documentation, screenshots, um, you know, links, uh, mm -hmm. you know, URLs mm -hmm. to various resources, you know, if there's maybe, you know, supporting resource, if you're using some sort of tool and, um, you know, especially when somebody's brand new to doing something, you know, any kind of supporting things. Uh, something that we've just learned kind of in, in our project management and working as a, as a remote team mm -hmm. is it's good to like kind of leave breadcrumb trails Um kind of along as you're doing work. So for instance, um, you know, oftentimes if we say have an intern working on a project, they'll start, they, they won't in the description of the task say, well, here's, here's a link to the Google doc where I'm sort of, uh, you know, documenting this or laying out my project plan and, and here's a link to these other things. So then it just mm -hmm. makes every single time I'm, you know, they might message me in, in Asana and say, hey, can you review this thing? But they don't actually provide a link to that thing. And so yeah. <laughs> it's like, then I have to go search and, yes. and yes. maybe I can find it, but maybe I can't because yeah, they can't. didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't actually give me enough permission and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's just like really kind of working with people to say, like, leave breadcrumb trails um, or, you know, even as you, you know, as somebody does a task um, saying, mm -hmm. don't just complete the task, M write a little message. It only has to be a sentence or two to say like, mm -hmm. I did this thing and here was the outcome or I did this mm -hmm. thing and, mm -hmm. and we're good. Um, and it's sort of, you know, it's not just good from sort of a, a manager's perspective to kind of know the, those details, but, you know, I try to encourage, you know, the, um, either the people that we, you know, are hire as contractors or as employees that, you know, Imagine yourself sort of a month in the future if I asked you, hey, what did you do last month? If you can't go back through all of your tasks and sort of like, if you have to rely on your, your memory um, mm -hmm. to like know all the details, no, you should work in public and, and you know, put it down uh, in, a, in a comment or something like that. Um, so just kind of encouraging those things, um, you know, leaving those breadcrumb trails and, and, and then, you know, back to the process question, um, you know, leaving breadcrumbs uh, in multiple places. Um, to just make it easy for, for that person as they're actually doing the process. Yeah. And that seems like a very reasonable way to go about it. I've never heard of it as leaving breadcrumbs, but that's exactly what it is. It's like this little trail. Just, just follow along and it gets you where you want to go. And including all of that information, like including the link of please review this and include that are the key, the little things, the key little things that make it so much more effective 
when you're working with someone. So yeah, the screenshots, the little like, this is what I'm doing here. Do, and all of that works together to make a good experience for the entire team. And it makes yeah. sure the project's happening. And I like how you mentioned you determine who's in charge of it, like who owns this project as a project manager or who's just responsible to get it done. Because again, like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, balls will get dropped if there's not someone who's driving that to completion. And so that is something that I think I see a lot of people fail to do. They create this process, they get it going, and then they get frustrated because something breaks down somewhere. And no one was owning it to make sure it worked through and to make sure that it does actually work. And by working through that and having someone own it all the way to the end, they can pinpoint those issues and work them out and keep it moving, which I think is, you know, you've listed several ways to make sure that doesn't happen, <laughs> that, that, you know, they it can get accomplished, which I love that because a lot of business owners are just making it up as they go, at least in my experience. And that's that's the awesome thing about being a business owner. That's what mm-hmm. that's how I started. <laughs> you know? And that's where learning from other people and listening to to someone who's made so many processes and very good at figuring those things out. They've been there before. They've worked through it. Makes it easier to implement on our own. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this information with us and just going through your thought process. I feel like I've just learned a lot of how you go about something and the way that you think through it, which is very helpful because sometimes even in just like a step-by-step, this is how you do something, you miss, well, the intent behind it and all of that. So I feel like you've even gone into a lot of that in this conversation, just talking about how uh, you need to give the intent of the project or explaining those types of things. So I appreciate all that you shared with us today. Something I always like to ask is, as you've grown, you've mentioned your team, contractors, interns, what are the things that you've outsourced? Maybe it's a unique thing or maybe it's something that you've delegated that was not a top of mind thing, that, but it's really worked out well for you. So what have you delegated as you've grown Mission Met? Yeah, so uh, I'll just kind of enumerate some things that are maybe mm-hmm. not so unique, but we we have an external uh, bookkeeper who, who mm-hmm. does our bookkeeping for us, um, and certainly we have an accountant who does tax preparation, all that. Sure, that that's sure. pretty uh, typical. Um, we have um, I I love learning new things, and I you know part of learning is kind of yeah. surrounding yourself by new and energetic you know people who also like learning things. So mm-hmm. we've been really intentional, sometimes to the detriment of my own personal productivity, but um, by by hiring interns. We've had mm-hmm. probably um, eight interns over the past four years uh, in different um, different iterations. Um, and, you know, all of them have been college students in some way, shape, or form from okay. software development to um, marketing to product management, um, sales, uh, kind of sales support things. Um, yeah. And that's... Um, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, uh, early career young people are always, you know, from, you know, put an hour in and get two hours back out uh, of productivity. But, mm-hmm. you know, you get to learn a lot of things. I, I have uh, mm. an intern right now who has a really interesting kind of background, but is, um, e- even though he's only 20, he's kind of this interesting marketing SEO um uh, expert even at age 20 because mm-hmm. you know starting from 16 he's been building his own personal site and really increasing their domain authority and backlinking and and has a yeah. lot of connections uh, he's originally from India and mm-hmm. 
So, so I think that's, you know, I think what's unique is just about bringing new and, and um, younger people and not, and not just saying, hey, sit in a chair and watch how I do this and do, you know, do yeah. exactly this, but instead give them a project and know that, you know, one or two of those might work, um, <laughs> uh, what might work pretty well, and then the mm-hmm. rest, you know, won't. But, um, but you've learned a lot, you, you know, you've, you know, learn how to manage people a little bit better, um, you know, people from different backgrounds. So, um, you have a lot to offer just in creativity and having not learned the wrong way to do things (laughs) like so many times doing things because of the way they've always been done. And so the, the younger generation that is coming into the workforce, I feel like always brings new insight. So that is very valuable as we grow our business because I know I can get into a rut and I'm someone who's pretty conscientious of, I don't want to do it just because we've always done it that way. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's that's a great strategy and way, realizing that there's going to be learning curve and there are going to be you know pros and cons, which there are at any level. And with any hire, there's going to be pros, cons, and all of those things. So I think that's a an, an interesting way to go about delegating and growing your team and getting different value than what you might generally expect if you hired different team members, but it's not worse by any means. It's a, it's a different unique. And I yeah. really like that. Yeah. And we've gotten so much better at onboarding, you know, by, by bringing, you know, people on even for short periods of time. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing too, is every time, every time somebody like, maybe delivers a draft of a project and it like mm-hmm. way misses the mark. What I learn in that is that that was a bug on my part that like I I didn't mm. explain it clearly enough mm-hmm. or I didn't provide them all the resources. Um, and so it makes us tighter at explaining who we are as a business and try and like really tighten that loop of, of like understanding with other people. So, you know, That's if you only brought one, one person on every two years, you know, you're just not going to grow and iterate as, as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like not, you know, not meeting the enemy enough, you know, so to, so to speak, <laughs> uh, to kind of reference that again. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's been, um, you know, both a challenge, but also I think has yeah. really been, been interesting and, and helped us, you know, try different things and, and see what works. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate that insight. And that's great food for thought as and yeah. as we grow our businesses. That's that's an avenue or a channel to use that, that can provide some great value to a business. So I want to make sure that people can find you online as we yeah. wrap up this interview. Why don't you go ahead and tell where people can find you and learn about Mission Met and kind of see what you have going on? Yeah. So our website is missionmet.com. And okay. um, yeah, yeah, if there's any nonprofits or other uh, nonprofit consultants that would like to connect, um, we're always open to chat, give um, consultations on how um, our, uh, our company can help, you know, your organization be more effective at developing our strategic plan, but mm-hmm. really actually executing it. And so um, sometimes that doesn't happen in the strategic planning process. You do all this sure. work, you get your board and your mm-hmm. your staff all in a room and you, you spend hours or days um, kind of mm-hmm. building this perfect plan and then you don't really follow back up on it. And so we have lots of thoughts and, and free resources on our website. Yeah, that's awesome because that's where the rubber meets the road and that is where things break down. So having yeah. someone behind you to help you implement effectively is very key. So people will definitely want to check out your website, 
Thank you so much, Ricky, for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. You have a great day. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch every single episode. This podcast is brought to you by Check Off Your List. If you're ready to take your business to the next level and focus on your zone of genius, go to checkoffyourlist.com. Find out more about how our back office support can help you meet your business goals.